Okay, we're going to go right into it because it's 11.15, but I want to give him as much time as he needs. So I want to welcome um, our founding pastor. He's an incredible man, and uh, he has a great, I mean, we love his family. They've been here for a few days. We've been spending as much time with them as we can. One of my dear, dearest friends in the world, in ministry and in life, please give it up for Zach Wexler. Thank you, Lord. So good to be here. I'm going to have my wife come up. Can we give it up for my beautiful, glorious... Hi, guys. So many faces that are familiar and so many people I have never met before. How exciting. I mean, how great. You guys have amazing pastors that are doing a phenomenal job. Can we just give it up for Chris and Carly? They're just... Amazing, 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 amazing. So it's so good to be in Las Vegas um, with everybody. We spent some time with our family for Thanksgiving, and um, it's warm to me. So there's that. Now I live in Rochester. It's warm, and the sun is shining. Um, Looking forward to a gloomy day, kind of. Um, But we're so grateful to be here. I really quick just wanted to talk for a minute. Um, It's it's just a um, a kind of a dream come true, a a whole life come into like this pinnacle moment. And I know it's just going to keep going. But Pastor Zach, my amazing, wonderful husband, who's the most sexy, awesome, handsome man on the planet. And we have the five most beautiful children. Hey, can my kids stand up really quick? There are four of them are in here. Woo-woo! Get up. Stand up. Don't be shy. Those are my beautiful babies. There's one more. She's in the kids' church, but say hi. They might look a little different if it's been a while since you've seen them. Um, so we have just been on this journey of just discovering the love of God as a family, as a church family, and as a movement, discovering what the gospel really means, discovering what um, what Jesus really did when he came to the earth. And I believe that um, it's so important for us to understand who he is and what he accomplished so that we can live out the true gospel of Jesus on the earth. And I believe that uh, the culmination of that is in Pastor Zach's book that he has finally um, published. I say finally because it's been about, I don't know, eight, maybe 10 years. Who knows? This is a lifelong, but I believe this is um, just just the core of, of the gospel message that that the Lord has given to Pastor Zach. And so I just want to just plug his book. And um, it's amazing. It's I'm, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the, the life that was poured into the pages. I know because I was there every step of the way. I mean, I didn't help, but I was there. And um, I could say he gives me credit in the beginning because, um, you know, because I should get some. Just kidding. <laughs> um, 
but it's a it's an amazing book and I'm going to say this this is for everybody this is for a sinner who's looking for who Jesus really is this is for a broken person who's looking for an answer this is for somebody that's in the middle of loss that's looking for just Jesus to speak to them this is for the saint that just feels dried up and a little bit just um, empty and needs a refilling this is for the pastor that needs a reorientation um, with the heart and the love of the gospel of Jesus. And so this is a book for everybody. Um, we have tons available. Um, we do give a discount. So it's great also for small groups or gifts for Christmas. If you want to do a small group study, there's questions after every chapter. So I encourage you grab some. We do give discounts every five. You get more discounts. Um, there's, yeah, they're back there. Me and my son David will be back there with you to help you check out. We also do have our new shirts and Zach's wearing it. Stay. Tetelas Day, it's Greek for it is finished, and the back is an icon. So come see us in the back table right after the service, and um, just thank you for having us, and your pastors are amazing. You guys are all beautiful. It's so good to see all your beautiful, beautiful faces. All right, that's it. Thank you, baby. Thank you, Lord. Well, I have to say, um, I'm so honored to be here this morning, and... uh, it's quite nostalgic. I was, uh, man, I didn't last long. I'm already crying. <laughs> Jesus, help me. I was praying in the office and, and I began to remember all of the hours just being in the presence of the Lord right there. Just encounters with the Lord. And it was so nostalgic. And, in Chris's office, which now it's his office, but it's sacred space, and uh, and what a beautiful time of worship, and uh, y'all are amazing, you're beautiful people, and uh, there's so many new faces, um, a lot has changed after COVID, and leadership change, and we're just so proud of Chris and Carly, and your leadership, and we're so behind you, um, and we're behind you as a people, and don't underestimate the call of God upon you and this church. And if you came this morning and you want to encounter the Lord, you came to the right place. He's here to meet with you. And he loves you with such an everlasting love. And Suri is trying to talk to me right now. She's demonic. I just have to say, Suri, leave me alone. How do I shut it off? I'm a boomer, man. Somebody help me out here. Um, I... Uh, I do have a word stirring in my heart, and uh, I, I want to also thank you, honey, for so graciously sharing, powerfully sharing uh, the book, Scandalous Love. I do want to encourage you, uh, it's a great tool for discipleship, but just uh, to put you on, on or back on the path maybe, or to encourage the brightness of your path of discovery of the endless, unfailing love of God. We, you know that we can never outgrow our need for the Father's love. I don't care if you've been to 29 Father Heart conferences or 17 Bethel Leaders advances or it doesn't matter. We can never outgrow our need for the love of Papa God. And there's such a revelation from the fount of the triune Godhead And then we see in the eternal son through and by his spirit that he was anointed with from his father. We see the revelation 
of who God really is. And that's what the book is about. It will remove the distorted lies of who you thought God was. And then you'll begin to see yourself differently. You won't see yourself in the fractured mirror that you've been handed through your fallen humanity, but you'll see yourself through the eyes of heaven. And then you'll look through that mirror and it'll become a window to see humanity that is so loved extravagantly by God. It will change the way you evangelize. It will change your life. It will change the way you relate to love. I could just start preaching on my book. I'm not going to do that, but I want to encourage you to pick it up. I really believe it will change and it can change people's uh, uh, views of God and transform their life. Amen. Man, I am just uh, overwhelmed right now by the presence of the Lord. And I really feel in my spirit, I have to say, I really feel like there is going to be a fresh impartation of fire, uh, the fire of heaven. How many just need a, a good wind in their sails today? Come on. How many have been praying for a holy fire to grip and seize your heart for the kingdom of God? How many have been praying, Lord, would you bring me back to my first love? I'm telling you, there's a fire in this place, man. I saw angels with flaming swords and I felt like the Lord says, I'm unleashing a new lava of my glory through you this morning. And I'm telling you, if you're hungry, you came to the right place. If you're thirsty, Jesus is here and he says come and drink this living water and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water because there's a thirsty world out there I don't know about you but I know there's people in Las Vegas that they call Sin City we renamed it years ago and we call it Revival City and we declare what happens in Vegas will not stay in Las Vegas but will shake the nations for the glory of God and if you're thirsty in this place come on somebody if you're hungry in this place there's bread from heaven he is here and you don't have to be afraid of the deep waters you don't have to be afraid God is calling the deep is calling unto deep come on Peter said Lord if it's you call me out on the water and he's calling you out on the deeper waters some of you've been messing around in the river and dipping your toe and God's saying it's time to come a little bit deeper it's time to let those things go I know I haven't read any scripture but I, I have a word in my spirit and it's like a fire shut up in my bones right now and he's telling you, my people, if you would come, I've created you to be a dwelling place for my presence. And not just on Sunday morning, come on, but Monday through Saturday, when you go into the places that we call dark and depraved, those are the places that need the presence of the Lord the most. And you are the instrument, come on, you are the instrument that God wants to use to bring light into this broken city and world. Come on, somebody, give him a shout of praise, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Insert unintelligible tongues right there. There's a holy fire. It all started here, man. The Lord called us to plant a church, and we're like, God, how are we going to do this? I. I got saved and I could barely read. I read at a first grade level. When I was in first, when I was in, not in first grade, when I, when, I, when I was 17 years old. My first out loud Bible study reading, I mispronounced Gentile, genital. And it was something to the effect of God loves the genitals. And everybody looked at me and I'm like, what? I don't know what I say. Is that not biblical? And then I read a, Old Testament verse about Abraham 
blessing the loins of Isaac. I said, see, it's biblical. I don't know, man. But the Lord took a broken young man who did not know him at the age of 17. And he branded my heart with the love of Jesus. And I'll never be the same. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire on Christmas Day. Shortly after I was born again and I saw the world differently. And I knew God had called me into ministry and the Lord blessed my memory. I, I began to memorize verses. It was like I, they were branded on my heart when I, was, when I learned how to read. It was like they, they came so alive and, and something happened and I learned that I was created. I was destined to bring the gospel to every creature. And I'm not the only one. You and I are created to shine and bring Jesus to a broken world. If you don't do it, if I don't do it, who will do it? You know, we see in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah has an encounter with the Lord and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. There's something about discovering the beauty of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, the gospel is not behave, it's behold. Because when you behold the beauty of Jesus, your heart is branded and transformed forever. When you behold, then your behavior changes. If you try to behave first, it's hard to behold because you're looking at yourself and you're navel gazing and you're beating yourself up. But when you behold the beauty of who Jesus is, and what he's done, come on, that he was, his flesh was torn for you and I, the God man, the God who became man. Oh, how beautiful is the feet that proclaim good news. Come on, there's something about discovering the love of Jesus where it brands and it changes you forever. And that's what happened. God called me and he said, I want you to, I want you to plant a church. I, I remember the first time I heard the phrase, I didn't even know what it meant. I'm like, plant a church? I don't even know what that means. But the Lord call, called us to Henderson and he began to break our hearts for people. I learned that praying for revival uh, was, was not really the agenda. The agenda was not praying for revival. We, we strive sometimes for the things that God has already given us. Like you don't have to strive. Can I just encourage you right now? Stop striving for revival and become a move of God. Like you've got the same spirit that raised, that took Jesus out of the tomb. Come on, somebody. I feel so sassy this morning and I don't care. I, man, I'm telling you, if we just get a revelation of the very presence of God that lives on the inside of us, it will ooze out of our entire being to every soul that we come in contact with the love of God. And we began to pray. And then God's like, I want revival way more than you do. Will you just stop striving for things that sometimes we pray prayers that God cannot answer? What do you mean, pastor? That sounds heretical. God, would you just be with us? He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean be with us? Not only is he with you, he's closer than the air that you breathe. He's closer than you could ever comprehend. In him, all things consist. Colossians chapter one, Jesus holds every subatomic quantum particle. I wish I was a scientist. I could break it down right now. But every cell in your body is held together by Jesus. Even unbelievers, their bodies, every breath with every inhale and every exhale, they're saying the holy name of Yahweh. 
in the very proclamation of an atheist saying there is no God. They're actually declaring the very name of God with their breath. In him all things consist, by him and through him all things were created. Jesus. And when we realize who he is, it changes everything. I want us to uh, open up our Bibles real quick to Psalm 132. And I want to read what I believe is a prophetic, this is a messianic psalm that points to the new covenant. And it points to Jesus, but I want to read um, just these few verses. And then I'm going to dive into uh, three things I want to talk to you about, about what I would call a divine precipitation that there is a longing in the heart of God for us to say yes to the reality that we are, we are a dwelling place for God in the Spirit, and He wants us to be a people of presence, and we are a people of presence. And it is the primary purpose of the church to become a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. And I want to talk about this mystery of the manifest presence of God and how important it is for us as people to discover this. And, and, and I, want to, uh, I want to pray that not only do you encounter the presence and the love of God uh, more than ever than you ever have in your entire life, but that you would hear the call of God into the inner chambers of his heart, like the Lord is calling us into intimacy. There is a call for us as the people of God. He wants us to come and lay everything down. And I want you to begin to just pray into that because I've, I feel like the Lord is going to, uh, to, to really just crash in like a ton of bricks on us all. And so we can, not that he already hasn't, but so that we can say, okay, Lord, here am I, send me. There's a marking in the presence of the Lord. So I want to talk to you about the presence of the Lord. Um, hey, Rochelle, would you, you mind get me like a water? I am in the desert and I need water. Thank you, Carly. You're so awesome. So let's read Psalm 132, verses 13 through 18. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord real quick with me and thank God for his presence right now. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. The darling of heaven, Jesus. The kind, wonderful, merciful Savior. You kissed a broken world with love. You kissed a guilty world in love. And we thank you. Can we just thank him for his love right now? We receive your love. We love your love, Lord. We love your presence. We don't want to do anything without it, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've given us. Your angels go before us, but like Moses, we say, we cannot, we won't move without the wind. And so teach us to yield to the wind. Teach us to be so sensitive to your spirit that we become breathless unless you breathe into us. We thank you, Lord. Oh, that was so poetic. Praise God. Okay. Say, can you say Amen. amen. Psalm 132, Lord, you have chosen Zion as your dwelling place. How many know that's talking about the church? For your pleasure is fulfilled in making it your home. 
I hear you say, I will make this place my eternal dwelling, for I have loved and desired it as my very own. I will make Zion prosper and satisfy her poor with my provision. I will cover my priests with salvation's power. I'm going to say that again. I will cover my priests with salvation's power. And all my righteous ones will shout for joy. I will increase the anointing that was upon David. And my glistening glory will rest upon my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but holiness will bloom on my anointed one. Isn't that so good? There's something so wonderful about realizing that we have been marked for his glory. Not only are we destined to live and be in the presence of God, how many know the presence of God is everywhere? And the presence of God that we experience, that's the manifest presence of God. And he doesn't, he doesn't manifest where he's tolerated or ignored or grieved or quenched. He manifests where he's welcomed and loved and, and embraced. And when, you, when we come to meet with God, whether it's in our homes, in the secret place, or wherever we go, we come with a heart of expectancy. Lord, I've come to meet with you. Uh, something happens And God wants us to uh, begin to anticipate a corporate encounter with God. Like, I think it's good that we all encounter the Lord and we have lives of prayer and in the word. And can you say amen to that? But there is a deep calling unto deep for a corporate encounter where Jesus takes the platform. Something happens when we in our hearts orient and say, Lord... I just want to meet with you. I just want to rest my head into your heart like John the Beloved. I just want to pour oil of worship at the feet of Jesus. And we can't be afraid. It's one thing to be afraid of God. We were talking about this yesterday. You know, like God, you don't have to be terrified of God. But there is a fear of the Lord a reverential awe that our God is a consuming fire. The scripture talks about Paul's rebuking and admonishing the church of Corinth. I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 23 verses after uh, 517 where it says, anyone that's in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 7, chapter 1, it says, that uh, because of these promises that we're called to be set apart, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there's a, there's a fear, an unhealthy fear of the unknown, the unseen realm. Then there's a healthy fear of the Lord that calls us deeper into the unseen realm because it's Jesus calling us out under the water. I don't know about you, but I like the water. I I was watching, um, especially in the desert. Come on, somebody. I like the water. Thank you for this bottle of water. Man, we were out here a few weeks ago, and I went home. My nose was, I had so many boogers. It was disgusting. (laughs) You can pray for me. Now you know how to pray for me. You just, Lord, would you bless Pastor Zach with those, get those boogers out in Jesus' name. Yeah. It was a spiritual metaphor. Maybe the Lord was doing something, you know, setting me free, deliverance. Every booger was a devil coming out. No, I'm just kidding. Looked like it. 
You know, I love the water, though, and I love vacations. I've learned as a pastor, and, you, and if your pastors take vacations, bless them and honor them. They need vacations. I'd rather take multiple vacations a year than a sabbatical and be gone two months. And, and it's so important that we rest, man. Rest is, there's something about even in the presence, understanding that, in, that we'll find rest in the presence of God. And there's a peace right now that's just, just hovering over you and your life, and you can find refuge and rest in the presence of the Lord. And there's nothing else that will satisfy you like the presence of the Lord. Amen. And I like to vacation, and sometimes we'll go to Mexico. Um, and uh, I like the Caribbean Ocean better than uh, the Pacific Ocean. I do like the Pacific Ocean. It's nice. Who likes Newport? Who likes Huntington Beach? Come on. San Diego? Come on, somebody. Who loves good street tacos in California? Oh, Shatara de Bahia. Oh, my goodness. I could just, I could preach on carne asada, El Pastor. And I'm not talking about El Pastor on the East Coast. They don't have the wheel, man. If it ain't the wheel, it's not El Pastor. With the pineapples, the cilantro, the onions. Come on, somebody. Whoa. I'm going to get going all over again. So we go to Mexico on vacation, and my wife discovers the Caribbean. I discovered the Caribbean first time there was our 15-year anniversary. We had an amazing time, and we turned into little kids. And my wife especially didn't like the Pacific because it's dark, and you can't see, and the waves and the currents are a little scary. But there at the Caribbean this time in Cancun, Mexico, it was just beautiful aqua blue waters just calling your name, warm waters to come and enjoy. And my wife, we step in the water, and she splashes, and she's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and we're staying at this... Uh, resort it's an all-inclusive resort so they treat you like you're a king and a queen can't not love that right and I remember like this whole trip we went on the first time that when when they serve you we say thank you they go it's a pleasure (laughs) so we heard that for a whole seven days all-inclusive I mean food everything's included the fun is included Woo! come on somebody everything's included and my wife and I are on the plane on the way home we're like here honey thank you oh thank you it's a pleasure like probably for like the next week I mean for me it's like when wouldn't that be amazing if Christians learn how to serve that way that it was a pleasure you know, we can learn honor in the presence of the Lord where our eyes are open and we begin to see the treasure of the body of Christ. There's a, there's a few times, man, I just get a glimpse of how heaven sees people and I'm undone. I just see them covered in Jesus, man. It's amazing. Your beloved sons and daughters. So my wife and I are on vacation and we go out on the water, and uh, we, uh, <laughs> we rent a jet ski, and we go out there, and we're having a blast. We go too far. And as you go deeper, it turns aqua blue to deep blue waters. And we're having a blast. We look back at the resort, and we, we're, like, laughing. And we lean too far one way. My wife is holding on to my waist, as a good woman should hold on to her alpha male. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. So, baby, and then we fall into the water, and my wife doesn't like deep waters. She thinks a shark is going to come eat her or something. So we're laughing, and um, I get back on the jet ski. So I, before I help my wife, and and I do what any good husband would do at that moment. I went back to the shore and I let my wife overcome her fears out there all by herself. No. That did not happen. I 
But I did do what every good husband would do, and I started calling, shark, 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 shark. (laughs) She freaks out. She's paddling, which attracts sharks. That was the funniest part. Splashing, trying to get up out of the water. I'm like, honey, you're attracting sharks right now. It's not what you should do. There's actually a a fear of deep waters called thalassophobia. And we got back on the jet ski and uh, went back, and it it was a fun time. I remember the Lord reminded me of this story, though, because I felt like there's times in our life or even there's a condition that we have as believers, and it's a spiritual form of, of thalassophobia. We're afraid of the deeper waters of his presence. And we have a wrong fear of God. We're afraid of getting eaten by a shark. But God's like, no, there is a holy awe in these deep waters but you don't have to be terrified. But there is a longing from the heart of God that you would discover the depths of his love. I want to talk about this thing quickly. I'm going to go through three things. I have six minutes and 21 seconds. I probably need a little more time than that. I'm going to put Chris on the spot, but I had 30 minutes when I started, so I I don't feel like I'm going out of bounds here, but I, I, I want to just talk about the divine precipitation. I want to tell you that there is a God who is everywhere that desires to manifest somewhere. And that somewhere can be illustrated in the understanding of a cloud. Do you know that there is actual humidity in this air, even though we live in the desert? How many are from the south or from Florida or any places where there's lots of humidity? Raise your hand. How many know in the summer it's miserable because you get out of the shower and you're still drenched? Like there's, there's some places that have more humidity than others. But in the air right now, there is something called water vapor. You can't see it. It's an invisible gas. And it's an illustration for you. And we don't look at this as a formula, but it's an illustration for us to understand the manifest presence of God, that God fills all things. But also there's a divine precipitation where he concentrates his glory. This is what the ancient rabbis taught in the tabernacle, like the glory, the Shekinah glory that was seen over the top of the mercy seat was like God concentrating his glory in one place. It's a mystery. But how many have discovered that there's just something glorious about encountering the tangible manifest presence of God? That when you come into the presence of God, he brands your heart. He changes you. He teaches you to love. Like he breaks your heart for the things that break your heart. He changes the way you see things. And God's calling us into the deep waters that we don't have to be afraid of what he's going to do, but we have to come into the depths of his heart and discover his love. Can you say amen? Amen. See, there's something that happens. The the reason clouds form, there's three things that cause clouds to form. I'm going to go through these really quick. The first one is atmosphere. Say atmosphere. See, when we awaken to the reality that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Wherever you go, the, the presence of God goes. You can shift the atmosphere in the darkest place. I was in a bar in Las Vegas, and I got asked to lead worship, or not lead worship, forgive me, to play a song. The band that was uh, playing, it was a well-known band at the time here in Vegas, they knew that I played guitar and sang because they rehearsed at our church or at our youth center. And they said, hey, go up and play a song. And I'm like, what the heck am I going to play? All I know is worship. What am I going to sing? Kumbaya, my Lord. I'm going to ask people to lift their hands and give the Lord a shout of praise. So I'm sitting here. I'm like, all right, God, what do you, is, are you opening a door here? And I think of a song by Kevin Prosh, Kiss the Sun. 
And I go up there, the drummer, the bass player back me up, and I'm in a dirty pub. It smells like booze. People are boisterous and loud, drinking beer. I had just had a beer about an a, a hour before that. And, I, and I'm sitting here in a bar, and I'm like, uh, like God, what, what is about to happen right now? Bass player, drummer behind me. I start playing. It's an undercover worship song. They won't, they won't even know it's a worship song. They'll just think it's an inspirational song. And, and I'm singing the song, and all of a sudden, a wind from an unseen realm begins to manifest in a bar. And this guttural cry comes from my belly, and I begin to sing spontaneous song to the Lord. And people didn't even know. But then it hit them like a ton of bricks. People are weeping. The glory of God filled a bar. If you realize that wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. And when you yield to the unseen wind of heaven, when your heart is open, when you, through the relationship, there's something, the cloud manifests through atmosphere. The, in the same sense, there's a spiritual manifestation of divine precipitation. When you realize there's an atmosphere, there's something that happens when the people of God worship. How many know Psalm 22, 3? That you inhabit the praises of Israel. Something happens when we worship. Come on. Something Something happens when we're in a valley and we choose to worship anyways. Come on, something happens when we realize I don't have a reason to worship, but I'm going to praise anyways. Something happens, I don't have to feel it, I don't have to feel like worshiping, but I choose to worship and then I begin to discover that he's with me, he's for me, he's Jehovah Shammah, come on, he's closer than the air that I breathe and I begin to experience the love and the presence of God and it's in that atmosphere that we carry it into the broken world around us. See, the atmosphere becomes electric when the saints, like this morning, are joining their hearts for a solemn assembly. Think of the 120 in the upper room who were breathless until God enveloped them. The unadulterated longing to meet with God. Imagine the anticipation in the upper room. God's people were in one accord, and this room was a sacred space. In the same room, the humble God-man Jesus stooped low and washed the disciples' feet. Come on, it was in the same room that he washed the disciples' feet. You know the room was thick in that moment. The air itself was erupting with humble love, a love that changes hearts of stone into malleable clay. There's an atmosphere when God manifests his presence. There's three things that cause a divine precipitation. One of them is atmosphere. Say atmosphere. One of the things I think about is the story of Evan Roberts in the 1900s, the Welsh revivalist. 100,000 people were, were saved in one year. He was, he was uh, gifted. There was a gift of the presence. You know, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and I love all the gifts of the Spirit, but what the fount of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of Him, His Spirit. It's, it's, it's a, he's a person. The Holy Spirit's not electricity or power. It's the third person of the Godhead who deserves our worship, just like the Father and the Son. Come on, can you say amen? amen. And when I think about the... The, the moving of the Spirit in the Welsh Revival. Evan Roberts was known that when he prayed, it would usher in the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. He had three sisters that would lead worship, and he was so adamant, like, no, these ladies, they've got to sing, because he knew how important atmosphere was. He knew how important anticipation and atmosphere was. And he would pray in the presence of God. You know what birthed it for Evan Roberts was he was in a service. This is what birthed the, the Welsh revival. He's in a service and he hears a man, a Presbyterian, I believe it was a Presbyterian man praying. And he says, bend us, Lord, bend us. 
And that was the prayer that gripped the heart of Evan Roberts. And he began to pray, bend us, Lord, bend us, bend me. Cause me to come to a place where I'm bowing in total surrender. And that was the birth of Evan Roberts being known as the man who would pray and the gift that he had upon his life. I remember reading it for the first time. I said, Lord, I want the gift. I want to be able to pray. I want to usher your manifest presence in a room. I want that gift, not because I want it for to be look holy or anointed, but I want people to encounter the presence of God. Come on. We should not desire a gift because we want to look good or talk better. Come on. Or, or have some healing revival or be some healing evangelist. Come on. But rather that broken people's hearts would be mended. Our desire for the gifts of the Spirit should be pure and unadulterated to God. I don't want to be seen. I don't want a platform. It's about people. Come on. It's about loving people. It's about seeing people free. Come on. It's about seeing them saved, healed, and delivered. And that's what we should desire. Say, God, I bend me to the place where I can carry your glory to a broke and dark world and bring an atmosphere of life. Come on, bring an atmosphere of healing. Bring an atmosphere of salvation. Are you with me this morning? Would you give God a shout of praise and thank him that when we surrender, come on, we can shift the atmosphere wherever we go. We can shift Las Vegas because Las Vegas is known as Revival City. I love uh, the, the prayer that Jesus prays in John 17. He says, so with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you. Those you've given me for all belong to me now belong to you. And all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And look, he says this, and my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Jesus says, my glory, oh man, is revealed through their surrendered lives. If you want to reveal the glory of God's love and his presence in your life, surrender. And surrender is not some religious calisthenic. Surrender is not like ascending to the hill of the Lord. No, surrender is ceasing to act, is giving him everything. Lord, I give up, here am I, send me. One of the other things that cause a divine precipitation, the second thing is elevation. Say elevation. Elevation. I'm going to go through this quickly. I'm not referring to the worship band at Stephen Furtick's church. Come on, somebody. This is reality. Clouds, water vapors become visible. They manifest through these three things that I'm talking about here. Atmosphere and elevation is the second thing. You know, there's actually clouds below the ones that we see, but you don't see them because they are at a different elevation. And did you know that right now you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? One of the reasons I don't think we see the, sometimes the breakthrough and we don't walk in the authority that God wants us to walk in as his people, it's because we don't realize that we're face-to-face with the Father. That we're seated with him in heavenly places. And we're striving, we're still living under the old covenant, and I gotta ascend to the hill of the Lord. Yes, in your heart, you posture your heart, and you ascend in that way, but you're already, in one sense, seated with Jesus in heavenly places. You have been taken up in his broken humanity. Jesus, the God-man, he became fully human. 
and his divinity, fully God, fully man, touched our broken humanity, and he took us into, come on, we died with him, we were buried with him, we were raised with him, we ascended with him, and we have sat down at the right hand of God with him. That's your position in Christ Jesus. See, we don't, we're not called to strenuously climb some mountain and work hard to manipulate God to show off. Instead, it's a great awakening that Jesus has already put us with him. It's a spiritual revelation that comes through humility. See, there's a place at the feet of Jesus that's the highest place we could ever attain. There's no other place I'd rather be. There's a place in worship where we go low. But as we go low, just like the God-man, we are elevated in him through humility and love. There's something beautiful about the fragrance of his presence. It's manifested when we go low. Just like the woman who broke open the alabaster box at the feet of Jesus. There is an elevation that causes the manifestation of his presence and his love. Jesus is face to face with the Father. And we're seated next to him in heavenly places. John 17, 5. So my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. There's atmosphere shifting, temperature rising, elevating living in the glory cloud of his presence. And it's increasing in the church. It's increasing in this church. It's increasing on your family, in your marriage, so that we can carry his love to the world around us. Can you say amen? amen. The last thing is temperature. Say temperature. temperature. Oh, man, there's a fire he wants to impart. Can you feel it? Can you feel the fire? Rochelle, can you feel the fire? Savannah, can you feel the fire burning? Can you feel the fire? Just put your hand over your heart right now. Say, Lord, raise the temperature of this burning fire right now. There's a temperature. I'm going to read something to you. Excuse me for a moment for being sappy and romantic, but I'm not going to apologize. It's just too, too good of an analogy. I fell in love with my wife 23 years ago. And the longing in my heart to be with her gave me butterflies. What can I say? I was in love. The time away from her was painful. I had an ache in my heart for her presence. It was more than enough to be in her presence. Holding her hand and gazing into her eyes was nice, but being close was everything. Love is a passion for oneness and closeness. Love is like a flame within us, and sometimes that flame is a flickering wick abating in existence. Jesus the groom wants us to desire his presence. Therefore, the awaiting should cause butterflies within us. The awaiting for his presence. We long for his presence and he actually longs for our presence too. Jesus has an ache in his heart for your presence. My goodness. Song of Songs chapter 4 Verses 9 and 10, for you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. This is for the church. He's talking to you. You leave me breathless. I am overcome 
By a glance from your worshiping eyes, you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling, and your sweet perfume praises so exotic, so pleasing. See, the love of God is like an intense fuel that causes the temperature, the fire within us to rise. What is the temperature of your passion for his presence? Or should I say, do you know how he yearns passionately over you with a jealous love? Of course, we all know that we love him because he first loves us. The temperature of our fiery passion, hear this, is measured by the revelation we have of the depths of his wondrous love. Can you hear him calling calling you into the depths of his heart and his love? I love the the story of the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. They said to one another, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road? and open the scriptures to us. If you want to begin to see revelation in the scripture and have a hungry for the word, then just be a person of his presence. Begin to burn. God wants you to burn. How many are here and say, God, I want to burn? Hebrews chapter one, verse seven. This is the word the Lord gave me for this house. And, And the angels, he said, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. I'm telling you, you have to be aware of the angelic activity, the worshiping angels in this room, the angels, the seraphim, come on, the cherubim. But the Bible says he makes his angels winds. Angels release the wind of the presence of the Lord. But it says this, that he makes his ministers a flame of fire. He wants to make his servants, come on, his ministers, a flame of fire. Are you a minister here today saying, God, I want to shift atmospheres. Lord, I want to walk in a way that divine precipitation, I want to say yes to the priestly mandate that we are all kings and priests created to carry the glory of his love, the glory of his presence. If you're in this place and you're saying yes to that, I want you to stand to your feet. Would you come up, team, come up right now. I want to close. I want to, I want to pray for you. I want to impart to those those that would like to be imparted to you. If you're hungry this morning, if you're thirsty for the presence of the Lord, he is here in this place and he wants to pour out. He wants to impart fire. Some of you have been struggling and wrestling with things. It's time to go into the deeper waters where the fear of that deeper place will be removed. The spiritual thalassophobia will be broken over your life. I want you to lift your hands right now, would you? And just begin to worship him. Come on, just begin to pray out loud and thank him for his presence. There's a holy fire. There's a holy fire. Lift your hands right now and thank him. We thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere shifting. Spiritual elevation. We're seated with you in heavenly places. I don't think that was my mic that was feeding back. We thank you, Lord, for the fire of your spirit that's burning. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. How many are in this place and you've just you've asked the Lord, Lord, 
set me ablaze again for you. You've been praying that your hunger and your longing for his presence would increase. If that's you and you're not up here, come quickly to the front. The Lord wants to impart fresh fire. I'm telling you, there's fresh fire that he's going to just come right now. If that's you and you're longing, you're longing, you're saying, God, I need, I need you to mark me. I need you to brand me with your presence. We give our hearts to you right now. If you're in this place and you want to just surrender your life to Jesus, now's the time. We give our hearts to you. Jesus, you're our everything. We thank you for your love and mercy. You wash us in your blood. Just ask the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, I give you my heart. Fill me. Brand my heart with your love. Just pray it out loud with me. Say, Lord, I give you my heart. Brand me with the fear of God. I receive fresh fire right now in the name of Jesus. We're going to just worship and sing this song for a moment, and then I want to pray for you. So just turn your affection to him. If there's anyone else, come. And if you're down here, if you want to bow down before the Lord, feel free. We're just going to come, and we're just going to, Lord, I pray right now for just an increase of your tangible, manifest, your divine precipitation, that we would be a house of presence, a temple fitly framed together. In the name of Jesus, would you just begin to sing out to the Lord right now?